are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone. As we're winding down season three of Prickly and Blooming, don't worry, I already started on season four. I already got episodes recorded and and ready to go. I just want to remind you to rate the show. Um give a gnome a hat this week and there's merchandise on our website hats koozies t-shirts stickers all that fun fun stuff oh i dare i say tech tattoos is now what people are calling stickers tech tattoos like because you put them on your laptop i I went to like a business luncheon and they gave away tech tattoos i was like you mean stickers (laughs) stickers didn't need a rebrand i promise you Anyway, we have Sharon this week, and Sharon is a great example of this wasn't the plan. This was not the plan. In fact, she had a very planned life, if you will, like executed a plan, and and then shit went off that plan. <laughs> and I, the more I come across stories like this, I realize how prevalent this sort of planned and executed life trajectory happens. And then when people are thrown off of that for a numeral amount of reasons, you know, just you, you, it, it, so many reasons can throw you off this track that it's so hard because we've not expected it. So we got to talk a little more about like things are going to throw you off. Things are going to come at you from left field. Tragedy is going to happen. You know, illness is going to occur. Loss and of, of jobs, spouses, uh, you know, careers. Oh, I said that already. <laughs> um, it's all it's all happening whether we plan for it or not. So any anyway, I love sharing stories from women who have then continued on and let go of that idealized plan. Um, well, they had to, but then let's hear what happened and how they made it through it. So, all right, I'm done. I'm done intro. Let's just go meet Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hi, how are you today? Hi. You know, I'm doing well. I'm doing well and I'm really excited. I set aside a day of my week to do like podcast stuff and this is my day and I'm just getting started and I'm so excited to start my day with you. Thank you. And hear your story. Thank you. So we always do this little bit, like I like to call it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we hear a lot about you? <laughs> so yes. what would you like us to know before we hear your story? Yes. Yeah, so um, I am in my 50s. Um, I am a widow. I lost my husband in 2019. I have mm-hmm. two adult children. One, a daughter who uh, is in lives in Boston and I miss her okay. very much. And, um, <laughs> and she is, uh, going for her doctorate and my son is, um, uh, 24 and he's going to law school, um, after an accounting degree. So I'm proud of my, uh, two kids. And I completed my PhD, uh, last October and I sell technology. I'm in technology sales and I live in New Jersey. What'd you get your PhD in? I got my PhD in uh, business administration and marketing, and my dissertation was in internal marketing. In internal marketing, internal marketing to reduce turnover of sales staff and technology. So leveraging okay. that kind of communication or um, or type of um, you know process 
by sales managers mm-hmm. to uh, keep sales representatives. We have a lot of high turnover in our industry. Mm-hmm. So that was important to write about. And hopefully I forwarded the, uh, the research there. Oh, I love that. Um, I own businesses and, and uh, you said it's high turnover and sales stuff. I mean, I'm in the service industry Oh, yes. and my husband and I, my husband and I know like the longer that you can keep people, it's just so much more beneficial to everyone, you know? Right. Anyway, like, yeah, Thank you. I love that. Thank you. That's interesting. Thank you. Interesting stuff. Some people might be, I just love that kind of stuff. <laughs> Maybe y'all are like, what are you guys talking about? But anyway. I know. I love it too. I love it too. Yeah. And so, uh, never, I'll stop. I was say it's kind of like creating culture, right, to keep people satisfied in. That's right. In their and mm-hmm, and continuing mm-hmm. to do that. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Okay. Um. So we start our our stories with you know a uncontextualized. Is that word? <laughs> Does <laughs> not contextualize? I don't know. Moment where things, you know, took a different turn or path for us and. Let's just hear. Let's let's hear where things change for you. I have a feeling what you're going to say, <laughs> but what what is a moment that you can you know? Uh, sometimes they're big. I think yours is big, and then sometimes they're little. But they're usually just a moment where you're like, "This is where things changed." You know? Yeah. So tell us, and then we'll go back and contextualize it. Oh, sure. So I I I want to say that I really had a very much a charmed life. You know, I had Mm -hmm. the two kids, um, a a husband that was a fantastic attorney, very handsome, very charming. Mm -hmm. We had a tremendous amount of friends, beautiful home, and, uh, you know, just just really a a terrific, terrific life. And Mm -hmm. in 2016, my husband was diagnosed with a mild cognitive impairment, which Mm -hmm. would lead to Alzheimer's. And... um, that at that moment, our entire world changed. And all of a sudden, I became a, a caregiver. I, I became the one that made all the decisions in, in the home. I, I didn't do that before. I mean, we definitely split up, you know, the, uh, the, the work. I mostly predominantly took care of the kids and whatever was happening with them. My husband always took care of the bills. I was always very sloppy about those bills, but I had become <laughs> um, very uh, detailed. I also um, became a cheerleader and investigated just about anything to, to help my husband in, in terms of what would eventually be a, an unfortunate, you know, rapid decline. We, we lost him in 2019. And it was a combination of diabetes as well as um, uh, the decline in his memory. And it was just a very difficult situation to watch, um, seeing a wonderful mm-hmm. man lose lose everything. It was very, very mm-hmm. hard. And and he was smart enough to know that he did he was losing things. Couldn't understand mm-hmm. why he was losing things, of course. That's part of that disease, but um, but was losing things and it was very, very hard. So that's when things changed for me. um, Mm -hmm. And then when he, when he passed away, there were just too many memories for me from that Mm -hmm. town. He had grown up there. It was his entire life. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was really a visitor. Uh, You know, I grew up Mm -hmm. in New Jersey. Um, Mm -hmm. I met him in college and um, we were essentially together for almost 40 years. And not that I, I don't have such wonderful friends. I do. 
and they're fabulous and people I adore up there. But it, it was predominantly his world. And mm -hmm. I just, I just really needed to flee. And uh, mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't handle looking at the familiar um, places and, and uh, mm -hmm. things we used to do. And so I, um, I decided to move. I sold my house. Mm -hmm. I packed up. I took my son with mm -hmm. me. My daughter was already living uh, elsewhere. And uh, mm -hmm. thank God I had him. And we moved to New Jersey. And I had been in the process, actually, of moving to New Jersey. I thought my husband would come with me. He needed care. And um, at Cornell Weill, we, we did the best we could. And so I, um, I tried to migrate. But, of course, that didn't. It, it didn't end up working out. And so, but I decided that I just needed to continue forward. And it was at that time that I just said, okay, we're going to we're gonna move. We're going to find a spot that we're going to really enjoy and, and live in. And I need to be completely anonymous for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, yep. and make that change. We talked before we were recording about, I, I understand, I, I nodded in very uh, understanding recognition of needing a, like an anonymous moment in life. <laughs> Mine was for different reasons, but yeah, I totally get that. So let's go back, like when, before the moment you found out, you know, of your husband's diagnosis was like, I, you've, you've described it, but it seemed like it was pretty typical. You worked, you had children, they were growing up, um, they were, they were, grown one of them was gone right. right it sounds like one wasn't right like what did you this is so funny because it's I feel like it's a life thing what did you expect the next like 10 years would be like in those moments you know before you got the diagnosis you know did you oh. did you have plan you know did you have like retirement plans did you like mm -hmm. what did you what did you think you know, life was going to be like? Well, I, I knew my husband would continue to work until he was mm -hmm. 65. I would want him to okay. retire earlier. Mm -hmm. um, oh, how was how old was he when this happened, by the way? Was, I mean, like 2016? He was 59. 59, okay. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I would expect him to work, but not beyond that point uh, because of mm -hmm. his health. And then, you know, we would probably remain in that house for a while mm -hmm. and then decide mm -hmm. what what we'd want to do, that we'd want to downsize, or, you know, we might have remained. I, 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 I don't think that we ever thought about not being together, you know, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. a much longer time, um, mm -hmm. you know, traveling together and, and just doing all of those things that, you know, couples do when, when they retire. They retire. And mm -hmm. enjoy grandchildren and our kids and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it was just a very typical thought. So then I imagine, um, so did he, you, you said he had diabetes, so it was diabetes um, something that you had been dealing with, obviously, for a long time? Yes. Or did that come up? Yes. Yeah. And I married him knowing that. Okay. And so um, he was diagnosed uh, in his mm -hmm. early 20s. And so okay. I married him knowing that, but mm -hmm. he took very good care of himself for the most part, mm -hmm. but obviously a combination of a memory disorder and right. being able to take care of yourself was not, it was right. a lethal combination. Right. So what started happening? You know, can I ask like the, the details of like what, what, when did you start noticing of like something is off? I, you know, I'm I, curious. I didn't, you know, okay. what, what mm -hmm. happened was is that his office started noticing okay. things were off because he was making oh, mm -hmm. those kinds of decisions, but I couldn't catch him because uh -huh. You know, 
for the most part, everything in our house hadn't changed in many, many years. Uh And Uh so even I would send him to the grocery store. He would come back with the right things. He would drive. Mm -hmm. There wasn't Mm -hmm. anything that I could really see. So, Mm -hmm. but his office said that there, you know, there are things happening, but they didn't give me a lot of the details. They would just Mm -hmm. tell me things were happening. And I think that's, um, that's something that companies and corporations really need to learn is that when you do have somebody that you suspect Mm -hmm. has a memory disorder, you really need to bring in the family and say, here's exactly what is happening, not Mm -hmm. what's wrong with your husband. He's not remembering things. Because mm-hmm. I can't contextualize that. I don't know yep. what that means. And and mm-hmm. and of course, you know, you get into the protection mode of your mm-hmm. spouse. What are you saying? Are you attacking him? You know, you don't you mm-hmm. don't really know. So it I think that's something that I'm going to be working on. I, I just started with the um the Alzheimer's Association, a little difficult in COVID, okay. but I'd like to get more yeah. involved in education of corporations to give them that kind of understanding of when you identify this, how to deal with the family, how to how to make sure that disability is in place, all of the things that I had to navigate on my own, it, it's hard. And for somebody that doesn't have the background that I had or the drive mm-hmm. that I had or just to keep yourself together, I mean, going mm-hmm. through that is just very difficult. And so I'm going to be pursuing that, making sure that especially for those that are that are uh, victims of early onset mm-hmm. because there's families much younger than than mine um, with you know young children that are affected by it so right how um, you said you you kept going you know to, to, to keep going how were you able to keep going like did you take a leave of work like how because I'm I'm upon applaud that you were able to keep going, <laughs> you know, because I'm sure that took many different forms and wasn't easy. You know, I talked to a woman at the beginning of the season who um, she care, um, took care of her mother at the end of life and how, you know, she, it really disrupted her life, you know, her work and everything just for a year just was kind of on hold. And she wanted nothing more than that. Of course, she wanted to be there with her mother for a year. But what happened to your life when this, you know, started to change so um i hired a a bunch of caregivers for my husband okay um mm-hmm. because the, the challenge with this kind of a disability is they they are also delayed in order to get medicare so okay. we needed health insurance and i always mm-hmm. carried the health insurance and um i had children and they needed mm-hmm. health insurance both of the children mm-hmm. were on the policy at the time Mm-hmm. And they needed mm-hmm. that too. So I had no choice but to work. But again, okay. you know, we had the means to hire caregivers, you know, during mm-hmm. the day, but he never mm-hmm. wanted a, anybody at night. So that, you know, of course, that, of course, became a challenge toward the end. But, but yeah, that's how I, I managed. And it was hard. I, I went, I went to New York City um, during the mm-hmm. week. I, I rented an apartment. And, mm-hmm. um, and during the week and four days, and then I would drive back on the weekends and I would take care of my husband. And I don't know how I did it, but I did it. Right. We kept everything going and my shoulders just got larger and larger and wider and wider. And, and I just, I just did it. I think that's yeah. what happens to people. You just do what you need to do. And I needed to be brave for my children. If I was going to quit, then they would quit. And my son was mm-hmm. going to school. It was tough as it was for him to go back to school after his father passed away. And, you mm-hmm. know, I just, 
I couldn't show them that I wasn't, that I was a quitter. I continued. Yeah. Yeah. You just had to keep going. And this was uh, three years was this whole process. Yeah. Yeah. Between 2016 and 2019. Mm -hmm. What were, this is the question I asked my, my, um, guest before the, she, with her, her mother's story of, of passing away, what was so surprising about this process? Like what was the most surprising thing that you did, you know, kind of ushering your husband, you know, through end of life? I think, I think the most surprising thing to me was that I was able to keep it together. That mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. planned everything. I worked with attorneys. Mm-hmm. I, I made sure that he was happy, as happy as he mm-hmm. could be. I think, I think you kind of realize, and I, I think I realized how much I could handle mm-hmm. and, and still function for the m- most part. I mean, yeah. there, there were things that happened to me, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you drink a little bit more. Yeah, more. You eat a little <laughs> bit more. I developed psoriasis. I mean, there was just all kinds of craziness that happens to you, but you mm-hmm. just choose to ignore that and you at the moment just mm-hmm. plow forward. There was nobody else to do it. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I have wonderful friends and family, but mm-hmm. but they have their own lives and and mm-hmm. I wanted my children mm-hmm. to have their own lives too, although my son really did quite a bit, my daughter too. They they did mm-hmm. what they could. But I, I didn't want them to not be able to concentrate on what they needed to do. And so, yeah, I mean, just you, you, you surprise mm-hmm. yourself on how much you can, you mm-hmm. can do, especially yep. if you yep. love somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's really the key to all of this. So tell me, uh, at, that's a perfect segue because I would say, okay, so now, now we're at the point where he's, he's gone, yeah. you know, and this has been your partner for almost 40 years. Yeah. What was life like at that point? Cause that, that's gotta be just, uh, there, there's so much activity, right? Mm-hmm. Activity leading up to it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's different. Life is different than what was life like for you. Of course, there's the activity of the funeral and the processing, all of that. Yeah. Maybe more like three months after he passed, what was like, what did life start to look like for you? I mean, after I stopped screaming in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, so when did you start screaming in the shower? Oh, I started screaming in the shower probably the day after the funeral. And yep. um, totally had a meltdown by myself because yep. I didn't want my children to see that. But then uh, probably about three three months later, I think um, what was great is I had the support of so many people, help people that, uh, you know, cl- very close friends and soon to be family that helped sell my home and, you know, helped to, you know, organize things. And, you know, if I needed repairs, mm-hmm. I had you know, wonderful people to help me do that. So I, I had gotten my home sold during COVID. I was so happy to get it sold. Yeah. Although if I kept it now, it'd probably be worth more. But <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, you know, helped me to do that. So got me out of that mm-hmm. mess. I, I also had um, a caregiver at the time uh, mm-hmm. that she was transitioning to. So she actually helped pack up my home and we put it, okay. a, a lot of it in storage. So that helped. And then I, I had a wonderful friend that um, once I closed on the house, we, we stayed with her for three weeks, my son and I, mm-hmm. and just kind of, you know, I had to wrap my head around what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. from there, I went to my cousin actually had a place in the Jersey Shore. So this was really a migration mm-hmm. strategy that I did yeah. for like six weeks. 
and then uh, I we planned on the moving to the apartment. And then we ended up in in the apartment. So it, it it was a lot of it was a lot of planning and a and a, a lot of travel. I think that I was in a fog, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for most of mm-hmm. that time, and then it really wasn't until August of 2020 that mm-hmm. the fog began to lift. And at that mm-hmm. time, I also was employed full time working in technology, mm-hmm. doing what I needed to do. But the fog started to lift and um, I started to get much more into a routine. It was great to be where I live now. It was mm-hmm. great to explore. And then I decided that I needed to be happy and decided even in COVID, which is really crazy, <laughs> decided to, to place myself online, insane, and... Um, and, you know, try it out. I gave myself like a couple of months until I met wonderful people, really nice people. Um, I think I was pretty lucky in that process. And, um, and yeah. And so now, very interesting what's happened to me. Yeah, right? 10 years ago, you know, I'm sure you would have laughed if somebody said this is what you were going to be doing and where you're going to be right now, right? Oh gosh. I mean, I, 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 I live in Hoboken. So it's, I go out mm-hmm. to some of the piers and I think about mm-hmm. what has happened to me. How did I end up yeah. here? Yeah. Um, from how uh-huh. I'm looking at the Empire State Building. How does that mm-hmm. work? And the other thing that really happened to me most recently is that um, I met a friend that makes me really smile. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, what happens is that you end up with people that on your journey that mm-hmm. um, come into your life. And I, I, I guess spiritually, I could say for a reason, you know, they come into your life for mm-hmm. a reason, but I just mm-hmm. think it's just happenstance and it's luck. And, um, yep. and if you meet somebody that just makes you smile and makes you laugh, you know, especially mm-hmm. to pull you through to the next chapter, whatever that's going to be, mm-hmm. I just think that that's just a gift. And so, I'm thankful for, you know, that situation. And then also thankful for um, some friends that I've met too. I, I, I'm a golfer, so I joined a golf league and I met another woman that happened to be a widow and she's mm-hmm. hilarious and she makes me laugh too. So I think that that's really pulled me through is meeting, meeting just special people along the way that I would not have met if I didn't go on this journey. Yep. Yep. And you are um, a very, uh, on the younger end of the widow scale, if you will, I don't know, you know, you're, this memory disorder for your husband at his age mm-hmm. is very rare, correct? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's really rare. There's mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. Uh, about, I think it's, I think they say out of all the, all the Alzheimer's patients, a very, very uh-huh. small, maybe it's like one or 2%, I think, mm-hmm. of the patients. Less so, than... Yeah, mm-hmm. because um, less than what age? What would be like the bottom? You, you know, typical mm-hmm. age. Well, the bottom can be really, really. The bottom can be. Gosh, people can get it in their thirties, which mm-hmm. is very, very. Okay. Early, but that's most. That, yeah. uh, that's a lot of um, genetic things. But but things can. Happen. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if they know. Yeah. Starts. But but what I'm saying is, under the age of sixty-five, I think when you're over sixty-five and you're retired and. Mm-hmm. You that happens to your spouse. You're you're ready, willing, and able to to be there because you're, mm-hmm. you're retired and and okay, it right. is what it is, and you you've lived your life, and and that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But but if you um, if you have that younger, 
um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a nightmare and, um, it's a nightmare mm-hmm. for many, you know, was for us. And, and I would say that we were just very lucky that, that we could afford to have the help that we had because mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, people have to quit their jobs, you know, people mm-hmm. have to figure out insurance for their children. I mean, it could mm-hmm. just be a real mess. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great point that the insurance, like it's so like you were chained you know, to work for the insurance. Like it's just, ah, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's, I wish there was, I wish there was a different, a different I, way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do too, but mm-hmm. you know, there, there isn't, and there's lots of different sides mm-hmm. to, to that coin and, and there isn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have what we have and, and that's why I'm fighting to get Medicare uh, automatically given to Alzheimer's families mm-hmm. because they, they need that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's not of any fault of their own. This is a disease and they should not be without it. So if we can give medic Medicare to, mm-hmm. to anybody or other families or whatever, mm-hmm. these families should really take priority. They're, they're working people. I mean, you know, yeah. they're who we want to Absolutely. keep and save. Exactly. And, I just don't know much. Is Medicare applied to anybody with Alzheimer's or is it just like only a certain age or something? So it's just I, not a I, qualifying. Right. It's it, right. So Medicare is there for disability, but Medicare mm-hmm. is only there for that particular individual that has Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and they right. have to wait a period of, I think two years in order to get oh, wow. Medicare. So it, Maybe they're doing it earlier now. I don't know. I haven't really checked. But um, mm-hmm. but it was a long time for him to get that, which meant that I had to carry insurance for him. I mean, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. doing everything to save him. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no, things that were very expensive, like testosterone, mm-hmm. I, I had to make sure he got it. I mean, and without mm-hmm. insurance, that would have depleted us. I mean, so mm-hmm. there are a lot of, mm-hmm. there's a lot of medications that, you know, we're a challenge and, and a lot of people with Alzheimer's or mild cognitive impairment or whatever, that that's very helpful to them, but they can't get Mm -hmm. it because it's just Mm -hmm. too expensive. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there are a lot of things Mm -hmm. that we can really do to help in that area. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's another, like we were talking about, he's so, he was so young for this, that there's like the systems aren't set up yet Mm -hmm. if you're not of the Medicare age. So when, you know, you, you, I love when you, when you were like, when I was screaming in the shower, <laughs> are you, are you still screaming in the, yeah. Are you still screaming in the shower? No, I, I, yeah. I'm not screaming in the shower <laughs> anymore. I think. Is that like when the fog lifted is when that kind of phase, like yeah. we said in about August of last year. August of last when, year. Uh, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I decided that I would do things for myself. I took a, okay. the, the violin. Mm-hmm. My my son bought me a violin. I, I always said that I wanted to play. I completed my PhD, so that was behind me. Mm-hmm. I started to get myself, you know, back to who I was and in shape mm-hmm. to run mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and become the athlete that I used to be, you know, yeah. ever yeah. go, I think, and um, or who I thought I was, but not today. And, mm-hmm. you know, golf kept me together. Mm-hmm. So I think that I started to really focus on focus on me and, and, and what mm-hmm. I wanted and, you know, it's still work in process for sure. Mm-hmm. I am so glad that you said that, that, um, I love that you said I started to take care of myself <laughs> <laughs> because basically for your, your life path of being a mom, your children were just at that point where they, you know, 
weren't needing the mom every day. And then you had to go into the care for your husband for many years, you know, for, and that, three years is a long time. And then you know, go through the fog of grief and then look around and be like, well, what's here? Oh, me, I, I need some care now. Right. Like it's, it's reassuring to know that um, you, you reached to taking care of yourself. Um, I'm like, oh, I love that that was the secret, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because like as a, it, it reminds me so much of when we have babies, right? Mm-hmm. When we are bringing life into this world and, you know, ushering people out, it's just such a similar process, right? And once you get to the certain point where your babies are old enough, I know I did, it was like, oh, what do I need now? You know, what, after years of um, you know, being pregnant and nursing and oh, what does this body and this person need? <laughs> and that's how I was able to, you know, find my, get back to myself, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's such an, it's such the same. It's on, you know, different ends of the spectrum, but the needs are usually the same. Whereas there's there's this momentary time where somebody needs you a lot and you show up for them. Of course, you're actually going to show up for them. And then then there's a, there's a point again where you can find yourself again. <laughs> it's amazing. It's true. I mean, I'm lucky because Mm -hmm. I also grew up with some wonderful people. And after Mm -hmm. so many years, they back into my life again. And Mm -hmm. so I'm very lucky to have some old high school friends as Mm -hmm. well and in the community. And yeah, but I'm really looking forward to my next, you know, 10 years. Are you, are you still working? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So you're still working. You got your PhD. And yeah, that's what I, I... Perfect segue. I want to say like, what's next now? What? Because I like I we talked about earlier when I was like, what did you think your life was gonna you know be like? You were gonna retire and your husband were gonna do this and maybe you would move. Mm-hmm. So now things have you know you've you've taken an exit off the highway that you yes, were on. And now you're on a new road, a big exit. So now what do you think for your life? Now that you're at this oh, new place. Gosh, you know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think I I have almost everything I've ever wanted. You know, I, mm-hmm. I really, mm-hmm. you know, I have a, I have a good career. I can look back on it. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. in the future, I'll be able to use my PhD and teach. I have wonderful kids. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful family. I have fabulous friends, you know, in many places all over that I've collected <laughs> along my life. And, um, and I think what's missing, I think will be that, that next love of my life, I think. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think I want that. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. the next phase for me because mm-hmm. I really want to continue on where my husband and I left off mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be able to travel and to be able to fulfill that part of my dream. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't necessarily need to be with somebody exactly like what he was. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm a, I'm more of an adult now. Not trying to, re- right? You're not trying to replace him. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. I'm not trying to replace him. Um, yeah. And uh, but you know, we'll have to we'll have to see. You'll have to interview me in the next ten years, yeah. and uh, years. and then we'll know what that that next chapter is. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, I'm glad that I'm young enough that it happened when I had the ability to to have that next chapter. So we'll see. Jury's out, you know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but I'm hopeful. I know that there are wonderful people out there, and uh, I'm looking forward to telling you my story here now. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think I love to ask this question because when people have gone through a moment like you have, like when you lost a spouse that had been so long-term and this was like, so you had these expectations and, you know, of life and you can say, well, we thought we'd do this. And now when something like that happens, everyone's always like, well, I don't know. Like we've given up in a good way in, of trying to control the future. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. When something so unexpected happens. Right. And I love asking that because then people are much more, um, especially COVID has, also, has flexed this muscle for all of us right. of we're not in control, you know, like, see right we're just along for the ride right and, and, and you know I, I think so many I've been such a planner my entire life you know okay. this mm-hmm. is this is mm-hmm. what we're going to do that's the next phase you know kids are going to go to school we're going to retire mm-hmm. and so on and most of that plan's already been executed you know it's yeah. done mm-hmm. the challenge for me is <laughs> living now living yeah. in the moment now I don't have a plan. Yep. Nothing is secure um, except, mm-hmm. you know, everything that was already secure, you know, but, you know, it's, it's actually, it's actually been fun. Is it? Yes. Are you surprised at how uh, agreeable you are to this new like outlook of like, oh, I'm not making I a go, plan. I go now. back and forth being agreeable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give me a schedule, give me a list, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> give me you know nobody likes to live without a compass, you know. You know, I'm just finding that that without a compass, I've been really surprised. And um yeah. and that's really been wonderful. And I think that I'm I'm for the most part, I'm a very, very positive person. Mm-hmm. And going through everything that I had been through, I think that that helped that I was always believing that there would be you know, a, ha- a happy ending. So I think that's helped. Right. Even though it was, you know, difficult and there was hard stuff going on, like somewhere in your heart, you knew it would be okay in the end. Yes. I mean, it yeah. wouldn't be perfect in the end. It would have been perfect right. if I had my husband back. But barring that, I think it could be close to perfect. And um, yep. I think, I think, I think so. I think I will have a, a very happy ending. I really believe that. Mm. We can go through the hard stuff and we'll come, we'll be fine. It's going to be a little different, right? But we'll be fine. Right. I think so. Yep. I think mm-hmm. so. I always like to open it up to if there's anything else you wanted to share before we we're we're in a like great like ending. I feel like, but I always want to just open it up. Like, is there anything else that we just like make sure you want people to hear? Yeah, I just I just want to let everybody know how grateful I am for mm-hmm. all their kindness and for helping me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have fabulous friends and family mm-hmm. and um that's just been wonderful and it helped me with this transition let's go on to my questions I, they're a great way to end these conversations are you ready yeah i'll try <laughs> all right they're they're fun what was your first car oh a toyota supra Ooh, a supra i think I know what those were. Mm-hmm. I remember those. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love asking women about cars because it's <laughs> like men get asked about cars all the time. I right? love cars. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you drive right now? Oh, I have, I, I only, I have a CRV right now. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I have too many I miles on my car to have anything. Uh-huh. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I drive a Honda minivan. I got too many kids to have any. I also have a 74 Volkswagen Bug though. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Nice. That's orange. Yes, that I hope to be able to drive. It just needs some gremlins worked out. (laughs) 
Anyway, um, this is my my unofficial polling because I also I like to ask women about this because we don't talk about it very much. How old were you when you got your period? Oh my god! I know. I think I was fourteen. Oh wow! I've uh, from my unofficial polling of asking women through the show, it's about eleven and twelve. Wow! Is, I think probably because I, I you know did a lot of sports probably sports. Mm-hmm. Yep. Toilet paper, the great debate. Over, under, or you don't care? Over. Do you change it? <laughs> I do. No, no, yeah. I don't change it. Okay, if you're like, <laughs> like if I'm at my, because I own coffee shops and if somebody has put toilet paper on, you know, the underway, I'm like, whoosh, whoosh, I change it. That's my sub question. Like, do you change it? <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the last book you read or what are you currently reading? I'm really not reading very much right now. Audiobook? No, I'm really, I'm really not. I'm really not reading very yeah. much. I, I, the next book I will read is um, oh, yeah, by, by Duckworth and it's Grit. She's terrific. And I, I will read I've her book. That. I've heard of that. Cilantro. Yes or no? No. Soap. Does, yes, this is, <laughs> I, I'm so fascinated by this and everyone hears me talk about this every episode. I'm so fascinated that it tastes like soap to some people. And so I asked this question. Horrible. Isn't that so weird? It it doesn't <laughs> taste like soap to the rest of us, just by the way. I know, I know. It's but like, there's a large population that it tastes like soap. Yes. No, I can taste it like any, Fascinating. anything. If it's Fascinating. got cilantro in it, it's dumped. <laughs> you know, you know. You're I like, do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, when you go to a coffee shop and you order like a latte or, or a cappuccino or something, yep. what kind of milk do you get in your drink? Almond milk. Oh, Yes very popular. <laughs> I, I own coffee shops. That's why I asked that. Oh, I love asking women this as well. I have, I have a feeling I know the answer. Can you drive a standard transmission? Yes. Yes. There's a certain age where it really drops off. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Younger than me. A lot of women haven't. They've never even, you know, had the opportunity. Oh, I just did this weekend. A friend of mine had a great mm-hmm. car and we just mm-hmm. traveled through upstate New York. It's fun. Family of, you know, origin, obviously. Um, where are you like in your siblings? Like, are you oldest, youngest, middle, how many, only child? What are you? Um, I am, I'm, I'm the youngest. My brothers are actually 20 years older than I am. So I was oh, wow. essentially an only child. Child. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have two brothers? I do. I have two brothers and I have, um, and I really grew up with my nephews um, who are mm-hmm. like two years and five years behind me. So I have four nephews that are behind me and, and I have a niece that actually is graduating from high school right now. So oh, wow. it's really kind of a, a great niece, a great niece that's yeah, great from niece. high school. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, you were you were on part of the next generation yeah, almost. for the most part. Were your, your parents, I'm sure, were very surprised. Uh, yeah, they were pretty shocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I love asking this too. Do you remember your kindergarten teacher's name? Yes, Mrs. Topper. Mm, it's just... It, blows people are like I haven't thought about her and you know it's a it's a it's been all women <laughs> there's been nobody that has had a male kindergarten teacher but they they leave such an impression on us that we can recall them in their names and I just I adore that yeah um what's your middle name I don't have one we weren't assigned <gasps> middle names yeah we all complained about it we yeah we said how come everybody else got middle names and we have just one name so I don't think our parents ever thought about that I think that they were just happy to to have a name that 
somebody else didn't have. My parents yeah. were both one of seven children. We had a lot of first cousins. So by the time I came along, you know, I came along and then the second cousin started six months after me. I mean, it was just, yeah. so, um, but what I do is I use my uh, maiden name now as my middle initial. Where can people find you if they would like to reach out and um, know some other widows or maybe, you know, someone else who went through early onset Alzheimer's? Yeah. They, anybody can reach me at my email, um, mm-hmm. which is swharrington at iCloud.com. Okay. It scrolls we can put a that lot. in the show notes. Yeah, it scrolls yeah. a lot. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, just write subject line, um, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's widow or um, early mm-hmm. onset widow, and, and I will definitely read and, and definitely get back with people on any of the things that I did mm-hmm. in caregiving, vitamins. I mean, I was really on top of everything. And then how I, I, how I survived afterward, happy to help. Yeah, yeah. Great. We can put that email in the show notes so people can find you there. All right. And then I like to remind everyone you can find us um, every week in this podcast feed that you're listening to right now. And you can find my website. It's LaJoy Society, L-A-J-O-I-E Society.com, which is my maiden name. LaJoy is my maiden name. Um, If we wanted to say uh, LaJoy de Vie, you know, the joy of life. Um, I'm French Canadian. Um, <laughs> anyway, and also on Instagram, it's the Joy Society. And I remind everyone every week to rate the show because it really helps me reach new listeners. Okay. Thanks, everyone. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us, Sharon, and people, everyone listening. And we'll meet here again next week. Thank you. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's no is made.